Hi, I'm Pastor Robbie Barrett, and I want to take this time to thank you for taking time out of your busy day to listen to a life-changing Word from God. And I pray that as you listen to these podcasts, that it will shape your way of thinking and that you will be walking in the fullness of what God has for you. All right, now look at Psalms. Uh, chapter 1 verse 2. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for this word today. Lord, open our eyes again today. Open the eyes of our heart to see and to understand what you want us to see, Lord. I'm just so excited for what what your people are going to learn today, Lord, that you're shaping us and helping us grow into the image that you want us to be so that we can receive what you want us to receive. In Jesus' name, and everybody said. Amen. Can we put our hands together this morning and give God a hand clap of praise today? Come on. Just just welcome Him. Praise God. All right, Psalms 1. Let's read this right here. It says, but His delight is in the law of the Lord. That's talking about us. So we can say, our delight is in the law of the Lord. Watch this. And in the law, or we could say the word, do we what? Meditate. Somebody say meditate. How how often? Day and night. So say it with me. Meditate day and night. All right, now go to Joshua 1.8. Joshua 1.8. It says, Now this book of the law shall not depart out of your mouth. So we got to put the word of God in our mouth, right? But you shall what? Meditate. Say that with me again. Meditate therein. How often? day and night, that you may observe to do according to all that is written therein. For then you shall make your ways, what? That's what we're interested in, isn't it? We, how many wants all of your ways prosperous? Yes. Then here's what you do. You meditate on the Word of God, or the what? Vision. The Word produces what? vision. So he says, meditate on this vision. How often? Day and night. All right. It says, according to all that is written, for then you shall make your way prosperous. Then you shall have what? Good success. Okay. So I asked you how many wants to be prosperous in all of your ways. And everybody said, yeah. Well, how, how many would like good success? Now, doesn't that sound a lot different than what the religious world teaches you? Bless God, you just never know what's going to happen in life. Amen? But God says you're going to make all your ways prosperous. God says you're going to have good success. When? When I meditate on the vision, how often? Day and night. Now, listen to this. I'm here to tell you today... How many's got vision? How many's got vision? Your visions, watch this, your visions will not come to pass until you learn how to fellowship with them. I'm going to say it again. Your visions will not come to pass until you learn how to fellowship with your vision. So if you don't learn how to fellowship, then this teaching is a waste of time in your life. That's how important this is. Now look at 2 Corinthians 13, 14. Look at what this says right here. He says, The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the communion of the Holy Ghost be with you all. Amen. 
That word communion in the Greek is koinonia, which means fellowship. Somebody say with me, fellowship. Now what does that mean? So God says, Paul says we are to have fellowship with the Spirit of God. Where does vision come from? Come on. Where does vision come from? The Spirit. Amen? What produces vision in your life? It is the Spirit of God that is inside of you right now. You say, well, how did I get saved? You got saved because the Spirit of God came upon you and began to deal with you in your heart. He began to give you a vision of you no longer having to be bound or, or putting up with the enemy. But if you called out to the name of Jesus, then He would save you. What happened? The Spirit of God produced a vision in you. So it is the Spirit of God that produces the vision where? In our spirit. Somebody say, I am a spirit. You're not just a chunk of flesh. You are a spirit. Alright, so watch this. So he says fellowship. What does that mean? The Greek word koinonia means partnership and participation. Say it with me. Partnership and participation. It also means intimacy with the Spirit of God that's on the inside of you. Okay, so watch this. So when, when I'm to fellowship with my vision, what am I doing? I'm having partnership with my vision. But not only am I partnering with my vision that God has given me, but watch this. I am participating. Now what does that mean? If I'm participating, then that means I'm going in the same direction as the vision, right? It's not as if I've got a vision on the inside of me and everything I'm doing in my life and everything I'm saying is going in the opposite direction. Does that work? No, it doesn't work. No, I'm in fellowship with my vision. So therefore, watch this. I am partnering with my vision and I am participating with my vision. Oh, somebody say meditate again. I'm going back to it. I didn't lose it. Meditate. Okay, so watch this. So God, go back to Joshua for me, Dave. So God says meditate on my word. How often? Night and day. Now how many, now I'm going to show you something this morning. This is really going to help you. So how do we fellowship? That's what we got to learn, right? How do we fellowship? How many can, or can answer this question, what does meditation mean to you? What does it mean to meditate? Thinking on something, what else? You reflect. Watch this. Everybody pay attention now. I'm going to show you something today. That word meditate up there that you see is Hagah. Say it with me, Hagah. You got to get that sound because we're speaking Hebrew, Hagah. Now watch, you know what that word means? Now see, when most people think of meditate, they think of just thinking about something often. You know that, you know, I think I can, I think I can. You see, that's what people think meditation is. Or like Crockett said, reflecting on it, often reflecting on it, just pondering on it. But watch this, that word meditation up there means to 
Speak about it. Hey, meditation means so much more than what you think it does. Watch this. It means to soliloquize, which means to speak one's thoughts aloud with oneself. So watch this. You are literally, when, you, when, you, when God says, I want you to meditate on the vision, meditate on the word that I have gave you, He literally means, I want you to speak to yourself about that vision. Woo! I don't think we're ever going to get away from what we say in this church. I don't know. But he says, to meditate on the vision means to talk about it. Speak about it to yourself. It also means, watch this. I know it says, speak to oneself. But it says also, it also says regardless of who hears. So you're just talking about the vision. Whether people see it or not, whether people believe it or not, you're just always speaking by your vision. So when we're meditating night and day on the words that God has talked about us, it literally means, yes, we're thinking about it, but we're also saying it to ourselves. So in other words, those thoughts become so strong, that vision becomes so strong, you literally begin to talk about it to yourself. So watch this. The easy example is, is if, I, if I'm seeing the vision of me being prosperous, I start talking about it. Man, I'm a blessed man. Man, I, I'm, I'm wealthy. God's given me the power to obtain wealth. The blessing of the Lord has made me rich. Oh, I see myself helping people. I'm seeing myself giving so much. You see, what am I doing? I'm meditating on that vision. And that's more than just thinking about it. See, some of you are going to have to learn that you've got to get past just thinking about what God said, and you've got to get further on. And that means to meditate on it, to speak about it. I wonder how many, watch this, I wonder how many in here are speaking about what you're seeing in the Spirit instead of just thinking about it. Now, don't get me wrong, I love thoughts. The Bible tells us that thoughts are important. But you see, you've got to learn how to say something. Why? Because watch this. If there's anything that can counterattack the thoughts that the enemy sends, you know, thoughts like you're not going to make it, it's not going to work out, you're never going to measure up. When we, when we start receiving those thoughts, the only way that you can counterattack thoughts is by speaking something. You cannot do it by trying to think something differently. How many's ever tried that? It doesn't work. The only way that you combat thoughts is by speaking something to produce different thoughts. So he says, Joshua, I want you to speak about to yourself night and day. Somebody say night and day. So it's obvious, and here's, the, here's twice now we've seen that in the Scripture, so it's obvious that God wants us to fellowship quite often with our vision, right? He wants, us, he, he wants us to talk about it. He wants us to think about them. He wants us to meditate on them. Another word for this is muse. So it was soliloquize, then it was muse. What does muse mean? It means to be absorbed in thought. And to say to oneself in a thoughtful 
manner. Somebody say thoughtful manner. In other words, you're not just letting anything fly out of your mouth. But what you are speaking is by, watch this, thoughts that are aimed towards your vision. Now, if anybody hangs around with me, if you've been around with me long enough, you know that I'm, I'm not afraid to talk about my vision. I'm not afraid to talk about what God said He's going to do in my life. I'm not, watch this, I, I'll talk as if it's already happened. And you may look at me a little funny or whatever, but I've learned how to fellowship with my vision. You see, ladies and gentlemen, I'll fellowship with my vision quite often. I'll break out the house plans and I'll look at the house plans. There's off, watch this, there are many times that in my thoughts, I'm already walking through the new headquarters of this ministry. Are y'all here with me? You good? What am I doing? I'm fellowshipping with the vision. I, I'm, I'm musing. I'm, I'm having deep thought about it. See, so in my eyes, watch this, even if you can't see it and you can't feel it or whatever, in my eyes, in my spiritual vision, it's already done. Can somebody say amen? See, that's the, that's the key right there. <clears throat> All right. So, you're, so write this down if you're taking notes. You are literally fellowshipping with your vision by thinking in purpose and speaking and muttering to oneself about it. Somebody say purpose. You ought to live so on purpose that you ought to ask yourself in everything that you do, does this line up with my vision or not? Does this line up with my vision? Somebody say my vision. See, some of you have to learn today that you don't have to settle and take upon yourself somebody else's vision. Are y'all talking to me? God gave you that vision for a reason. God gave you that purpose for a reason. And He's only designed, guess what? He has loved you so much and chose you to such a degree that He has a vision that only fits your life. Woo, glory to God. That ought to make you happy in here this morning. So watch this right here. Is this not what the woman with the issue of blood did? That's exactly what she did. Now we know by the word of God that she received. After 12 years of trying everything else, she received the miracle of her body being restored. But not just that. The Bible says she was made whole. Now see, when we hear the word whole, we think, oh, she got better in her body. No, you forgot something. She was broke. She was broke. But see, when Jesus made, he, he said, be thou, or, be thou healed, be made whole because of your faith. He was telling her, it's not just your body, it is everything. Your finances, your peace, everything. Somebody say whole. So she was made whole. Alright, but how did she do it? Let's backtrack. The Bible says that she said within herself, what, what just took place? The Bible says that she heard, that when she heard of Jesus, 
Faith comes by what? Hearing. And what does faith produce? Vision. Somebody help me now. Faith produces what? Vision. Okay, so the moment that she heard about Jesus, faith ignited into her and it produced a vision. What kind of vision? Exactly. She's seen it. Before she ever said anything, she's seen it. Somebody says she's seen it. What did I tell you? I said until you see something, you're never going to obtain it. All right, so she's seen it. So then the Bible says she began to say out loud. So first she was saying within herself, right? But then she began to say out loud. What was she doing? She was meditating. Are y'all listening to me? She was meditating night and day. She was speaking it over and over and over. If I touch the hem of his garment, I will be made whole. As soon as I touch the hem of his garment, I will be made whole. And she just kept meditating on and meditating on. What was she doing? Let me tell you what she was doing, ladies and gentlemen. She was fellowshipping with the vision that she had. She was no more looking at remedies and all this other stuff, trying to find an answer or a cure or whatever. She was no longer looking to man to see or to, to be her supply. She was looking directly at the only place that she could. And she was meditating on that vision night and day. Night and day she was talking about it. She was thinking about it. She was seeing herself healed. She was seeing herself doing what whole people do, right? What blessed people do, healed people do. She kept seeing herself like that. And then guess what? It became so real to her, so real, that she acted on it. So real, watch this, so real that it overrode or override, however you want to say it, what was going on in the natural. That's what we want. That's the whole point of vision. Is that God wants you to take vision and He wants you to fellowship with it to such a degree that it changes what's going on around you. Now here's the point where everybody's saying, yeah, praise the Lord, I'd like to change some things that's going on around me. I'd like to change the status of some things. Well, this is how you do it. Somebody say fellowship. Okay. So that is the formula of fellowship. She received the vision by how? Faith. She thought about it. Then she meditated on it. She kept saying to herself, just saying to herself, as soon as I touch him, it's gone. I'm going to be made whole. I'm going to be made. What was she doing? She was doing Joshua 1 8. What did he say? He said, if you do that, you'll be prosperous in all of your ways. Did she receive it? He said, you'll have good success. Did she have success that day? Yes. All right. So everybody's getting this today. Amen. Go to Amos. 3-3. The power of vision is, is that if you can see it, you can have it. Somebody say, if I can see it, I can have it. Look right here. It says, can two walk together except they be what? Can I add something on to that right there? How can two walk together if they're not seeing the same thing? Hey, how can they? If, I, if we're looking at the same thing and I see something one way and you see, something, you see the same thing totally in a different perspective, how can we come in agreement on that? 
Is that not where arguments come? Some people see the president we have today as one of the greatest presidents we've ever had. Other people see it the total opposite. And they fight back and forth. Why? Because they don't have the same vision. I'm going somewhere today. How can two walk together if they're not seeing the same thing? In other words, watch this. How can I fellowship with my vision, which means what? To participate, to be in partnership, if I'm not focusing on it. Somebody say, hey, how can I? You see, one of the greatest tragedies that I see in ministry all the time is I see people not fellowshipping with their vision. I see people taking the words that God has told them and putting it on a shelf somewhere and letting it collect dust or whatever, never going after it, not talking about it, not speaking and meditating on it, not acting upon it, but just hum- somehow, some way, they've convinced themselves that one day it's just going to magically appear. I'm telling you right now, that's one of the greatest tragedies that I see in ministry so many times. You heard me say this at the beginning of this, and I'm going to say it again. If you don't learn how to fellowship with your vision, your vision will always tarry. Now, we read last week that the vision will not tarry. But that's only for those who are fellowshipping with it. Because again, if your vision's going this way and you're going this way, how can you be in agreement? Do you see that? So we got a lot of people, watch this, we got a lot of people neglecting the vision that God has given them and going about doing their own thing, doing what they think's right, doing what they want to do, and and thinking that they're going to come out at the same destination. It's not going to happen. You want a good example of this? Watch this. Marriage. Marriage is the exact same way. Let me tell you something. If you're not married in here today, listen to this. You better marry somebody who's got the same vision you have. Well, I think we can make it work. Well, I think I can love them enough to make it work out. You go right ahead. You're going to mess yourself up. When me and Kiara got married, before we got married... We knew what each other's vision was. And guess what? They matched up. Not saying, now watch this, I'm going to help some people today. Not saying that it's exactly to the T everything how I see it. Because we're two individual people. Are you listening to me? So watch this. The vision that your spouse has and you have will intertwine and, you know mingle with each other, but you're both going in the same direction. Do you see what I'm saying? Because, again, everybody's vision is specifically designed for them and those that are connected to them. But you better make sure that you share each other's vision. If you're thinking about getting married to somebody or whatever, you better make sure that you're sharing each other's vision and saying, listen, is this the vision that you have? Is this where you see yourself going? Well, no, I don't see myself going. Then you're better off. Now, I know this may be, uh, I, don't, I don't believe like that. Well, go ahead. 
Because the Bible says, how can you walk together? Marriage is about what? Partnership. Marriage is what? Participation with each other. Marriage is what? Intimacy with one another. It's koinonia. And the only way that you can do that is if you both see the same way. Amen? So, so, so watch this now. Say with me, different operations, but achieving the same goal. Different operations, but achieving the same goal. That's how it should be with anybody who you are in partnership with in your vision. If somebody's fellowshipping with your vision, or if you, watch this, or when it comes to your marriage, there will be different operations. How many knows that God has a specific operation for a woman that He does not have for a man and vice versa? He's made us different for a reason. But we are to coexist together. Amen? And there's nothing wrong with differences, is there? There's nothing wrong with that. That's how God designed it. There's nothing wrong with a man being a man, a woman being a woman. Somebody say amen. Nothing wrong with that. Alright, but guess what? We're achieving the same goals. Case in point, if you've got kids, a mother handles kids differently than a father does, and a father handles things differently than a mother does. But you're both achieving the same goal. You want your kids to do what? Be successful. You want them to be blessed. You want them to thrive in life. That's what you want. So you're both, you've got the same vision, but different operations. You see what I'm saying? But if one of you's got a vision of your kids being saved and on fire for God, but the other one says, I just want them to be out in the world and live it up and whatever they want to do, oh, there's going to be some, uh, some conflict. Because how can you two walk together? You don't have the same vision. Is this helping somebody this morning? So what I'm telling you is you've got to do the same thing with your vision. I have to live by my vision. I have to talk about uh, or by my vision. I have to think by the vision that God has given me. I can't go out here and live how, however I want to live. Or I can't go and do something, whatever I want to do. Why? Because I'm in fellowship with my vision. So everything in your life, I'm going to say this again, everything in your life should revolve around your vision. Somebody say amen. So let us go on. All right, now. So I know that God has placed me and Kiara together. I know that without a shadow of a doubt. We have the same vision and all that. But watch this. What if I choose to stop fellowshipping with that vision? How many, know, how many knows what happens when you stop fellowshipping in marriage? It breaks up, doesn't it? It dies, doesn't it? Why? Because I stopped. I chose to stop fellowshipping with my vision. Are you listening to what I'm saying? See, the whole vision of my life, she's just as much a part of it as this ministry or what I'm called to do or whatever. She's just as much as part of that vision. Are you listening to what I'm saying? So if I stop in one area, if I start neglecting in that area, is that going to affect the vision that God has for me? Absolutely. It's going to hurt it, isn't it? It's going to hinder it. 
I know I'm teaching you some heavy stuff in here this morning, but these are things that you've got to learn. The only way you're going to be prosperous in all of your ways and successful in everything you do is you must fellowship with your vision. Now, so you can't put your vision to the side and never fellowship with it and expect it to happen, can you? No. So God told me one time, this is before I ever had kids, and this is when I received a medical report that I would never have kids. God says, you're going to have a line of priests. Your kids are going to follow in your footsteps. You're going to have a line of priests. You're going to have a legacy of faith. Now, how many knows that's an awesome vision, isn't it? But watch this. I must fellowship with that vision. What do you mean, Pastor? I'm telling you, I can't just put it on a shelf and say, well, praise the Lord, one day they're going to be on fire for God and, and they're going to do this and do that. And then me, not come to church, not preach, not spend time with God, not let them see me walk in faith on a daily basis. Is that vision going to come to pass? No. Why? Because I'm not fellowshipping. Well, well, God said so. But just because God said so doesn't mean it's automatic. You see, you have to... See, He gave the Word to Joshua. But He said, just because I gave you the Word doesn't mean it's going to happen. You have to meditate on it night and day. You have to speak about it. You've got to make sure that you're fellowshipping with that vision. So even though God has given me that vision concerning my kids, I have to do what? Fellowship with it. One thing, i got to uh, give uh, Stevie some honor in here today. Now, he let me do it last week, and he wasn't he even the one that sprayed the weeds. But anyways, but listen to this right here, all right? And Stevie didn't pay me to do this, all right? So nobody get any ideas. He didn't pay me to do this, but I've sat, I've sat back and I've watched. I remember when he had no kids, and God said, you're going to have many kids. And I remember how God said, you, I'm going to use you to break the cycle that's been in your family for so long. I remember God telling him, and I know you don't care me speaking about this. I remember that. But watch this. Watch this. I also, from that time I heard that to now, I've got to sit back and watch him fellowship with that vision. These two people right here, uh, Stevie and Steph, they hardly ever miss church. He's always, I know he's, he's always in the Word and he's spending time in prayer and he's showing his kids how to live right and all these other things. I get to sit back and I get to watch him fellowship with his vision. And you know what? Guess what? His vision is fully manifest. Just like mine is. Well, you just never know how your kids are going to turn out. You better throw that junk in the garbage. Because I got a guarantee from God. Can somebody say amen? We've got a guarantee from God that if we, if we train our kids up in the way that they should go, when they mature, when they get on their own, they will not depart from it. Come on and give the Lord some praise today. They will not depart from it. Alright, so Luke 6.46. Read this right here. Jesus said, Why do you call me Lord... And do not the things which I say. Next verse. 
Whosoever comes to me and hears my sayings. When you hear his sayings, what does that produce? Vision. And does them, I will show you to whom he is like. Next verse. He is like a man that built his house and dig deep and laid the foundations on a rock. And when the flood arose and the streams beat vehemently upon the house, and, and it could not shake it. Somebody say, it could not shake it. So the house didn't barely make it by. Praise the Lord, I'm just barely making it by. No. The house was not shook. For it was founded upon a what? Rock. Next verse. But he that hears the word and does not. So guess what? He received the vision also. But some might say it's what you do with it. All right. It's like a man that with a foundation built his house upon the earth against which the streams, uh, which the stream did beat vehemently and immediately it fell and the ruin of the house was what? Great. All right. So Jesus makes a statement here. I'm going to read it like this. So why do you not act upon the enlightenment of my words? Go back to verse 46 for me, Dave. I want you to read it like that. And why do you not act upon the enlightenment of my words? What did we learn last week? That he's, the psalmist said, your words bring light. And if you've got light on something, you've got enlightenment. It's revealed to you and you understand it. So, God, so Jesus is saying, why do you not act upon the understanding of the word that I've given you? Do you know right now that there are many people that are not acting upon the knowledge that they have in God? It's not that they don't know. It's that they choose to not act upon it. Alright, so you've got two men. Both men received the same vision. What was their vision? Building a house, right? But watch this. <clears throat> One didn't fellowship. One didn't fellowship. He didn't fellowship with the vision. He just went about and did his own thing. And what happened? The storm came to both houses. One was not shook whatsoever. The other one was destroyed. Why? Because he did not fellowship with the vision. How do we know that? Because Jesus said so. He said, it is like a man who sees the vision, hears the words, receives the vision, but does not fellowship with it. He is like a man that is on his way to ruin. So watch this. So if, 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 if God said, if I meditate on the word, I'm going to be successful and prosper in all my ways. So the reverse of that is, if I don't meditate on the Word, if I don't fellowship with the vision, what's going to happen? I'm not going to be prosperous in any of my ways, and I'm never going to have good success. Amen? So we, we're seeing this here. How can I fellowship? Here's the next question. How can I fellowship when I'm going through what I'm going through? Is that not everybody's question they're always at? How can I fellowship with the things of God? How can I focus on the things of God when I'm going through what I'm going through? All right. So watch this. 
another way that I have fellowship with the vision that God has given me about my kids is this right here. You say, your notebook? What's that got to do with anything? <clears throat> you see, a lot of preachers, when they preach, they might write a word or two down and they just go with it. Or no notes at all. <clears throat> and that's fine. But that's not the vision that God has given me. You see, God gave me a vision years ago and I've been fellowshipping with that vision. I write detailed notes. That's why I got like five or six pages with every message. I write detailed notes because watch this. I'm not just leaving this thought for me. Are y'all hearing me? I want my kids, when they, when they receive my notes, I want them to be able to fully understand this revelation that I got from God so that they can receive it and they can preach it. Now, that may not be anything to you, but that is significant to me because it goes in line with the vision that God has given me. If, if God's vision that He's given me is that my kids are going to follow in the ministry and they're going to follow in the steps of faith that I did, then they need to know what I know. Amen? They need to know it. And one of the best ways that I can help them know that is by for them to receive these notes also. So I write great detail. See, y'all can see this right here. I write great detail. It's little things like that that you can do to fellowship with your vision. Are you see what I'm saying? Whatever vision that God has given you, take it, meditate on it, talk about it, think about it, act upon it, and you're going to see it come to pass. All right, so the question is, is how can I fellowship when I'm going through what I'm going through. 2 Corinthians 4.18, this is going to help you. It says, while we look not at the things which are seen, but at the things which are what? Not seen. For the things which are seen are what? Temporary. What you're going through is temporary, I promise you. But the things which are not seen are what? Eternal. I'm going to stop right here and say this. The vision that God has given you, I'm going to ask you a question. Will it die with you? Will it die with you? Because let me tell you something. The vision that God gives you should last forever. I'm going to say it again. The visions that God gives you should last forever. It should go from generation to generation forever. Matter of fact, one of the statements God gave me one time, He said, the work that you have started and finished will stand forever. I got the promise of that in the Word of God. See, one of the blessings of a righteous man is that his, his works will endure forever. Somebody say amen if you're with me. <clears throat> All right, so vision is what? Eternal. This vision that God has given me for this ministry... After I'm gone, it's going to carry on. You see what I'm saying? And that goes with any vision that God has given you in your life. All right, so watch this. What, how do I fellowship, Pastor, when I'm going through some hard times? I mean, when it seems like everything has beat me down, how do I still remain in fellowship with the visions that God has given me? 
Alright, so I want you to see it like this. The Greek says, so we do not fix our eyes, our one's eyes of the mind. So what's that talking about? What you're seeing, but in your thought life too. So he's saying our thoughts are not consumed by the physical condition. Bless God, it seems like nothing around me ever turns around because you're constantly dwelling on it. You're, con- you're talking about it. You're meditating on it. You're, you're just consumed by it. And guess what? If all I'm focused on is is, is is never going to change. Amen? All right, so watch this. So he says, we do not fix our eyes, the eyes of our mind, on physical conditions. But watch this. For we, the, the word up here for seen or unseen is the same Greek word, and this is what this means. And Lord Jesus, this is going to help you. Now what's Paul talking about here about as far as our seeing, our eyesight, our perspective? It means to see what is physical. How many can see what's going on around you? Right? You know what's happening in your life. You know what's been happening. So Paul says we see what's in the physical, but with spiritual perception. Woo, that's good. And I'm going to show you exactly what I mean in just a minute. So we see what's going on around us, but we don't see it with a natural perspective. We see it with a spiritual perspective. In other words, we have our vision in this hand, and we have what's going on around us in this hand, and we reflect and say, does this match up? Come on. Does, does, this, does this come in line with my vision? Alright, so then here's what you do. Alright, so it's seen what is physical with spiritual perception. It carries what is seen. So it carries your situation into the non-physical realm. Watch this. So a person can take the needed action. Woo, I love that. Did y'all catch that? So Paul says, a person who, li- who lives by what is unseen in this physical realm takes the things that's going on around you, takes them with spiritual perception and pulls them into the spirit realm where you can make the needed action, where you can weigh out what kind of action you need to take against it. My God. Can anybody answer me this question? Can the enemy see into the spirit realm? No. Can the enemy hear your relationship with God when you're speaking in tongues or or when you're praying just to yourself? No. Does he know what you're thinking? No. Okay, so so now we're getting somewhere. So here's what Paul is saying. I'm going to make you see this. Y'all ready? It's as if you take... I'm going to picture this right here. So this is something the enemy's thrown in my life, right? Pretend like this is not the Word of God. So he's thrown this in my life, this situation, this circumstance. What do I do now? I look at it with spiritual perception. Does this line up with my vision? Does this go with it or does this go against it? If it goes against it, here's what I do. I take it. And I want you to picture this. I'm going into a closed room. 
And the enemy's outside saying, I can't see what's going on. I can't hear it. What's he doing with this? I threw this in his life, but I can't tell what he's doing with it. Now, what am I doing? I'm in that spiritual realm. I'm in that closed room fellowshipping with my vision, which means I'm fellowshipping with the Spirit of God on what I should do about this situation. Oh, I hope somebody's listening to me right now. Y'all want a good example? How many remembers Jesus with the adulterous woman? How many remembers that passage? When the men brought the adulterous woman and said, Here, we call her in the act of adultery. Now, how they were there, we're not even going to get into that. But they said, we caught her in the act of adultery. Now the law says she's to be stoned. Now what are you going to do? So the enemy hands Jesus this circumstance, and he's thinking, I got him right where I want him. Because watch this, picture this now. No matter what he says, it's a no-win situation. If he says, don't stone her, they're going to say, he's not going with the Word of God. And he just, he's just one of those people that thinks it's all right to do anything and whatever. And his reputation would have been... Or, watch this, or if Jesus would have said, Stoner. That would have killed his ministry because what was his ministry about? Love and grace and mercy, bringing it to the people. So it would have wiped it out. So he was in a no-win... Have y'all ever been in a situation that it feels like you're in a no-win situation? Now, what did Jesus do? So here the devil presents this to him. Come here, come here, Crockett. Present this to me. So picture Crockett's the devil. All right, so he presents this situation, and, and Crockett's saying, what are you going to do with this? Here's what Jesus did. He's drawing in the dirt. And the devil's just sitting there waiting on his response. Do you know what? Guess what? Do you know the only thing the enemy's got to work with is your response? Y'all didn't hear me. Let me say it one more time. I said the only thing the enemy has to work with is your response. That's it. All right, so Jesus is giving him no response. And the devil's sitting back there and he's thinking... What's he doing? I can't see him responding. I don't know if this is working or not. Now, what was Jesus doing? Deeper than that, what's he doing? He's taking what is seen in the physical and doing what? Having a spiritual perception. How many believes that Jesus lived by vision? The vision that the Father gave. Absolutely, he lived by it. He ate, slept, breathed, everything vision. Alright, so watch this. He pulls that, so he's down there kneeling. You think he's just drawing in the dirt, but no. He's in that spiritual closet, that spiritual room where the enemy can't see, and he's weighing out, what action do I need to take on this? Because how many knows it was important what action he took? Because this could have crippled the vision. And it seemed like no matter what decision he made, it was going to cripple it. And the enemy's thinking, I've got him right where I want him. So watch this. So he pulls that physical thing into the spiritual realm and he begins to dissect it and he begins, all right, does this line up with the vision? How does this function with this and this and that? 
And what and what did he do? Where did that come from? Somebody say supernatural. Supernatural. See, everything God has for you is what? Supernatural. All the enemy's working with is a natural thing in your life. You've got something far greater than that. You've got supernatural power. He says that statement. And the enemy's back there standing like this. Hold your hands up. Stand up like this and just hold your hand up. The, the devil's going, what in the world? Where did that come from? Go ahead, sit back down. Where did that come from? I just presented to him a situation. There was no way he's getting out of it. But he did not focus on that which was seen. But he did what? He looked to that which was unseen. Oh, what did Jesus do? I'm getting a little ahead of myself. What did Jesus do? Let's see what he did. John 15, 19. Or 5, 19, excuse me. Jesus answered and said unto the people, He said, Verily I say unto you, The Son can do nothing of Himself, but what? But what He sees, come on, but what He sees the Father do. For what things soever He does, what's the Son do? Likewise. So what was Jesus doing right then and there? He was looking to His vision and said, All right, what would the Father do here? Oh, are y'all getting this? You know, we, when I was growing up, they were really popular, these little bands that would say WWJD. What would Jesus do? And you would look at it and you would think, what would Jesus do about this? Well, that's what Jesus was doing. He said, what would the Father do about this? Because everything Jesus did, He said He seen His Father do it first. Somebody say, vision, my God. All right, now go to the next verse, Dave. Watch this. For I have not spoken anything of myself. This is Jesus speaking. He said, but the Father which sent me, He gave me a commandment, what I should what? And what I should do what? Can somebody say that Jesus lived by vision? He lived by what he was seeing in the spiritual realm, and he said what he was seeing in the spiritual realm. So he was meditating night and day on what? The Word of God. My God, are y'all getting this? The vision that God had given him. So right at that moment, he's knelt down. He's getting the spiritual perception. He sees the Father showing mercy to her. My God, are y'all getting this? Then he hears the Father say, He who is without sin, cast the first stone. Are y'all getting this? What's he doing? He's fellowshipping with the vision right then and there. He's fellowshipping with it. And because he did that, it didn't matter what the enemy threw at him. So to answer your question, what do I do when I'm going through something? You pull what you're going through into the spiritual realm. And you start looking at it with spiritual perspective. And when you start looking at spiritual perspective, you begin to see what God would do about that. 
So you got to ask yourself, if sickness tries to attack your body right now, what would God do? Would God say, well, you know what, you just got to ride this out? If something was hitting God's family right now, what do you think he'd be doing? Spiritual perception. That's why the Bible says, be you transformed how? By the renewing of your mind. What's that renewing? How you see in the eyes of your mind. That's what Paul was talking about now. How you see in the eyes of your mind. And the only way you change what you see in the eyes of your mind is by the word of God. Because the Word of God is spiritual perception. Natural perception says if everybody's sick, you're going to get sick also. But spiritual perception says I take all sickness and disease away from you. That's in your Bible. I am the Lord that's healed you. And by, your, by my stripes you were healed. That's spiritual perception. So what do I do? I take it into the, the spiritual realm. And I weigh what, to, what actions need to be taken. Now that was just one instant. We know that there are several in the Word of God where they tried to put one over on Jesus. Every time they thought, man, I'm going I'm to give him this right here. We got him right here. And he would blow him away every time. Why? Because he said, I do what I see my father do. And I say what I hear my father say. In other words, I'm in constant fellowship with the vision that God has given me. He sent me to be a light into this world. For God so loved the world that He what? He gave His only begotten Son. That was the vision. And would y'all agree with me that Jesus let nothing get in the way of the vision that God placed in Him? Nothing. Ladies and gentlemen, you got to do the same thing. You let nothing stop you from receiving the vision that God has for you. Fellowship. Stand to your feet. Hallelujah. Thank you for tuning in to this week's episode of Prophetic Faith, the podcast edition. For partnering information or for prayer requests, you can go to our website at www.accelerantfaith.org or you may email us at accelerantfaith@yahoo.com. And just remember, one word from God can change anything.